Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us here at Midweek and for letting us be part of your day. We're going to talk weather today. Some places getting snow. Record amounts in some places. We'll talk with Dennis Toddy, director of the USDA Midwest Climate Hub. We'll talk about the, this early snow and what it might mean moving forward. And, of course, an update on La Nina. We're also going to talk with the CEO of the Center for Food Integrity. Charlie Arnott will join us a little bit later. Some research on developing consumer trends and how it impacts uh, animal protein moving forward. What are the challenges? What are the opportunities for those in the livestock industry? And we'll get a harvest update. We'll go to Illinois near the Quad Cities. David Erickson will give us an update on his harvest. But we're going to start things off with a report from Washington, D.C. Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications joins us. Phil, thanks a lot for being with us. I'm looking at your story at AgriPulse. Uh, and your headline, Deal on New Aid Package May Slip to lame duck. Tell us uh, the very latest on the uh, negotiations for a new coronavirus relief package. Well, uh, Mike, they're still uh, talking. The, uh, the White House Secretary, uh, Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin and uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, they were uh, supposed to talk again today, talked yesterday. Uh, no indication that they're close to settling the main issues. Uh, and I think the big question right now is even if they reached a deal, would they have time to get through the Senate? And would enough Senate Republicans vote for it? Uh, I think the expectation is that uh, if the president blessed it, that uh, Republicans would. But there, there's some heartburn in the Senate uh uh, among Republicans about the amount of money that they're talking about uh, spending. Now, as Senator Grassley told us yesterday, and as you are reporting in your story, it looks like if they do get a deal done, there will be an ag provision as part of it. Uh, yes, that's uh, probably not much question about that. And uh, what hasn't gotten a lot of attention is that the uh, the House and uh, Senate uh, are pretty much on the same page in terms of the amount of money. Senate Republicans have been talking for a while about $20 billion. This uh, bill that the House Democrats uh, pushed through earlier this month uh, had about uh, $2.8 has uh, been costed out uh, at uh, $19.8 billion. Now, there's a lot more specificity, a lot of specific positions, uh, provisions in the House bill on how the money would be spent, uh, much more while the, uh, the House, uh, uh, the Senate uh, Republican proposal is uh, very wide open, gives a lot of discretion to USDA, almost uh, entire discretion to USDA. We're talking with Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. Phil, we're having a little trouble hearing you. Kind of a uh, kind of a garbled connection. Hopefully, we'll get a stronger signal here. Uh, but let's talk about uh, the money that is going out in CFAP two, and it looks like they've made sixty, or rather, six point one, six point one billion dollars in CFAP two payments so far. 
Right. Uh, they were estimating this at, uh, eventually to cost about 13 to $14 billion. Uh, Sign-up runs through December 11th. Uh, but a lot of that amount, farmers have already put in their applications, and six of the, uh, you know, getting close to half of the money, uh, it's already gone out. Uh, a lot, and it's it's all over the place. A lot of it for for row crops and livestock, but uh, a lot also going out uh, for fruits and vegetables. Uh, uh, and virtually every crop that uh, that's uh, or animal product that uh, can be sold is uh, eligible. So we wait and see if they can get anything done. As you said, it's it looks like it's more apt to be after the election, and that puts it in a lame duck session. And lame duck sessions are always hard to predict what will get done. I think especially this one could be very interesting. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> because we don't know what's the, you know, you, you know, forget the, the presidential race. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with the Senate. It could be very, very uh, either way. The Senate, uh, uh, Democrats uh, winning control, or Republicans narrowly holding on. Uh, so that will that will affect the politics of uh, a lame duck. You'll have the the reorganization that goes on after an election, and especially after the change in power. Um, so that, that happens during the lame duck. They still have to fund the government uh, for this fiscal year. Uh, this started October 1st. Uh, so that's that's still on the plate. And this whole issue uh, with uh, coronavirus relief. All right, Phil. We'll see what happens. It'll be interesting. Thanks for the report. Okay. Great to be here. Take care. Phil Brashier with AgriPulse Communications. Again, we apologize. We didn't have the best of cell signals there. I want to go over these numbers in the CFAP 2 program so far. USDA has made $6.1 billion in CFAP 2 payments. That includes $1.8 billion for corn, $1.4 billion for cattle, $688 million on soybeans, and $626 million on milk. California's total so far, Phil reports, is $231 million, including $147 million in payments for sales commodities. That uh, includes fruits and vegetables. Uh, Iowa has the largest share of total payments at $604 million, followed by Illinois at $433 million, and Nebraska and Minnesota each with about $428 million so far in CFAP 2 Payments. Now, again, the deadline for application is December 11th, uh, but those monies are going out now. And in addition to authorizing uh, payments for dairy farms, ethanol plants, and textile mills, the Democrats are also calling uh, for more money for specialty crop grants and for local market support and uh, some other Things that they would like to see in their bill, Senate Republicans have proposed to give USDA an additional $20 billion for coronavirus relief, as well as broad new authority for the department to compensate ag processors and livestock and poultry producers. So you still have these uh, two different uh, versions out there. Can they come together? It doesn't sound like they're going to be able to before Election Day, but you never know. At least they are still talking. 
and we'll see if this does indeed get kicked into the lame duck session and whether or not they can come up. Boy, you, you get into a lame duck session, you never know what the, the incentives will be. They'll have to keep the government funded and moving, but you wonder about some of these other things. A lot will change after the uh, election in a couple of weeks. All right, so that's the latest on that. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at the, uh, the emerging weather pattern for those in Minnesota, North Dakota, some of the northern states already dealing with snow. Other parts of the Midwest getting some much-needed precipitation, but more in the form of rain. We're going to talk about that with Dennis Toddy, who is director of the USDA Midwest Climate Hub. He's been telling us about the La Nina pattern. How does this all fit into that? What might be ahead? We'll get into that as well for both here and for South America as we watch the weather down there as well. So stay with us. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're talking with Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Let's talk about the strong beef exports to Taiwan and South Korea. Demand continues to be pretty resilient in 2020, uh, despite all the disruptions of COVID-19. On the beef side, beef muscle cuts saw amazing growth in the month of August. Our largest month in over a year at 89,000 metric tons, which is about 4% growth. And this was led by record monthly data out of Taiwan, Korea, and China. Taiwan and Korea were up a little over 20% each, and, and China was almost fourfold increase over a year ago. While the food service begins to come back, we still have extremely strong retail demand and extremely strong online presence for the U.S. beef products. So beef side, we're excited about a few of these things coming together. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. About 80% of farmers use propane to dry their grain. If you're part of that 80%, you know a dryer filled with propane distributes heat and dries grain more evenly. With FS Propane, you can increase harvest quality, improve productivity, and lower fuel cost. Propane from FS ensures dependable supply. FS offers services and flexible, convenient payment programs to help keep your mind on your business while they manage your propane tank and supply. For grain drying, choose FS Propane. FS Propane brings the heat. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. 
text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger, put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. The National Weather Service reporting 7.9 inches of snow fell at the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport, breaking a previous daily record of 3 inches set back on October 20, 1916. Let's talk about it with Dennis Toddy, director of the USDA Midwest Climate Hub. Dennis, here we are still in October talking about record snowfalls. You had to bring that up, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and they they caught, that was the one that captured a lot of attention. Uh, on Monday, central Iowa, there was another band set up over central Iowa that reached as much as nine inches. Uh, there was an official National Weather Service measurement of nine inches at the Weather Service office in Des Moines. So, um, you know, once you are in the fall, you are susceptible to, to bigger snow events, especially in the northern plains area. Uh, but these, as you note, these, the big, these bigger events are a bit early uh, for this time of year. Is this a sign of things to come? Is this that uh, uh, heavy snowfall that uh, have, some have predicted for this winter that's coming? Um, I, I can safely say it's not necessarily a sign. Uh, I've looked at this, and some other people have looked at it, and uh, early snowfalls um, in the Midwest, Northern Plains, are not indicators of anything more. Um, Somebody, I think it was a Weather Service office, shared on Twitter, and they had looked at early snowfall years versus other years, and and the chances for, for snowfall are roughly the same. So it's not an indicator. It's really not an indicator. Your point is legitimate that the new outlooks are released, and there are parts of the Midwest that we we are needing to keep an eye on uh, in the longer term. Um, there's also some shorter-term issues, because you mentioned you brought up the, this big snowfalls early. We've got one going on currently, uh, or there's going to be another one coming across the Dakotas, and then another one Dakotas in the next couple days that there's winter storm watches out for already that could have you know, six, seven inches associated with it. So, uh, and that's a problem because despite the quick crop crop progress up there, we still have crop in the ground um, that we could get some damage done to. And, you know, some of the snows probably have the livestock guys moving ahead. They're going to be moving ahead at watching out for things this time of year. But, you know, a big early snow like that can cause some problems for livestock too. Meanwhile, other parts of the Midwest that were very dry getting some much-needed rainfall. I mean, there have been a lot of field fires and, and other problems with and crops drying down too fast. So there's been some uh, welcomed precipitation in parts of the Midwest. Most definitely. Uh, you know, dry soils are a 
are, are you know, still are, very dry soils are still an overall problem because we still have some very dry soils throughout the whole region during the pro, throughout the, the whole soil profile. But the recent rainfall has definitely helped out near that surface, helped wet things up a little bit and reduce some of the fire issues. You, you are right. You know, some places that we don't, you know, when you're out in the plains, you, 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 fires are an issue during the fall and early spring. But as you get over in the Midwest, you know, they can happen, but they're not as common. Uh, you know, we've seen some equipment fires, uh, some, some fields have burned, a uh, variety of different places with, with crops drying down so quickly. So the, the precipitation has been good for that, has definitely been good for people doing cover crops, um, you know, get, so helping get them established. And, uh, you know, starting to work on that soil moisture profile. And it does look like as the week goes on, uh, a chunk of the eastern corn belt does have a chance for, I'll call, I'll call it significant, you know, maybe a couple inches of precipitation, uh, which would slow down harvest uh, additionally for now, but definitely would help out, uh, you know, banking some soil moisture going back into next year. We're talking with Dennis Toddy, director of the USDA Midwest Climate Hub. Uh, so, Dennis, how does this fit into uh, the, uh, the strengthening La Nina pattern you've been telling us about? Um, okay. We have, you know, this has been a nice break. Uh, we've had some moisture actually move into the area. You know, we're talking the Midwestern Plains, which has been a nice break. We've had really good, good harvest progress, but we needed to get some moisture and, and, and wet things up a little bit. Uh, it does look like right now the current outlooks do turn warmer and drier as we get into November. So it will allow us to wrap up harvest. Uh, and that's kind of what we would expect with La Nina, that falls tend to be warmer and drier. And then it's not until we get into the main part of winter, maybe December, December, January, and then especially the latter part of winter uh, where we start seeing that more active pattern uh, across uh, the northern plains and then the Great Lakes area. So it's, it's you know, these when you're talking about La Nina's, it's hard to project, project you know, a few day or a couple week period in the middle of a La Nina, you're looking at what happens over a several month period. So this is this is not a surprise and actually a welcome surprise that we've had had this precipitation, but we are still on track. Last week's outlooks from from uh, NOAA NOAA's Climate Prediction Center are still keeping us on track. That we're likely to have a, a moderate to strong La Nina, so that's going to continue to affect us as we go along through our winter. So. Eastern Corn Belt, Northern Plains have better chances for precipitation throughout the winter. So our, our soil moisture recovery has is, is less a concern there. Um, the La Nina area tends to dry out the plains. So we've got very dry conditions in the plains. Uh, that may stick with us into next spring. So that has people sitting up being concerned. Certainly a problem for winter wheat right now, getting winter wheat established, and then potentially a problem as we carry over into next growing season. All right. How about La Nina in South America? How's that impacting their weather? Um, definitely. You know, you've, if you've seen some reports down there, they, they've had some record heat in a number of places, um, have had some very dry conditions down there. They've had fires, not, you know, not intentionally set fires, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, other fires that have been seeing problems down there. I think they've had some recent precipitation, but overall, uh, you know, La Nina does tend to work the same way down there, that they, they tend to dry out during their growing season. 
So they have, uh, uh, you know, a, a chance for some, some more crop losses down in that area. So we'll keep a close watch on that. That certainly impacts uh, our markets, uh, how things are developing in South America. So it sounds like, Dennis, uh, uh, we, sh- we better really enjoy or appreciate this uh, this moisture, even though it may be hard if you've got seven inches of snow and your power's out, as some folks in Minnesota are dealing with. But it sounds like there might be, it's a drier pattern you're talking about following this. Uh, most definitely, most definitely. So, you know, I, I've been sharing on social media with some folks in the Northern Plains, you know, that they still ha- have a decent amount of their crop in, in the field. And, and while the snow will, will not be good for them, corn can usually manage through some decent snow. Hopefully uh, most of their soybeans out. Soybeans don't deal with snow nearly as well. It does look like we have a warmer and drier uh, period coming, so we'll probably have a good chance of, of eating back some of that snow, melting it off, adding to the soil moisture, which will be good because we're, we still have very much unfrozen soils. Um, but they, they should have a good opportunity to get the rest of their crop out. You know, I'm just thinking, even though we've had a lot of hurricanes, wildfires in the West, a derecho in the Midwest, those are those are pretty tough uh, events. But overall, if you look at especially Midwest weather in 2020, a year with all kinds of problems, uh, many enjoyed uh, a pretty good year weather-wise. You know, considering how dry it was in a number of places, we, you know, we, we really did. Um, they're... Uh, Crop conditions generally have been pretty good. Um, you know, you, you get all kinds of, of stories and comments, but the comments people are, are, have been noting for what they had for yields have been, you know, given conditions in certain cases, they were pleased with what they saw. Uh, you mentioned the derecho. Yeah, we, we you know, there was you know, a little bit under a million acres, I think, that had to be destroyed because, or that were destroyed in, the, in, in Iowa. But there are a lot of places in Iowa still did pretty well, and and generally across the across the Midwest, you are correct. So hopefully, for most people, we can go ahead and get those out, so they can don't you know there's not any further loss with that. Um, you know, but there there has been you know there has been a little bit of yield loss, so markets have been reacting to that and realizing that situation. So it gives people some marketing opportunities. Uh, but you are correct. Generally, things have been have been pretty good that early. The dry early spring really did help us on that end. People were able to get out, get things in the ground, um, because we did even have, you know, we had some, a little bit earlier freezes, but, but earlier than we have had recently up in North Dakota, there was a little bit of soybean damage. So, um, you know, generally things have been pretty good. Yeah, it has been a tough year for a lot of folks in North Dakota as well. All right, uh, Dennis, good to talk with you. Thanks for the update. We'll talk again. Okay, you guys take care. Thanks, Dennis. Dennis Toddy, director of the USDA Midwest Climate Hub. Up next, we talk with the CEO for the Center for Food Integrity. Some interesting consumer food trends next on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. 
Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. So join us for Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Positive tone to the grain and oil seed sector at midweek. Corn futures trending higher with some grain traders anticipating that next month's WASDE report from USDA could show lower yields for the U.S. crop. In the October report, USDA maintained its outlook for corn's yield this year at 178.4 bushels per acre. The attention of grain traders again focused on the prospect of planting delays in South America, too, with soybeans remaining the leader. Planting is delayed in Brazil, but is starting to gain some momentum. In the Midwest, recent rainfall over the eastern Midwest, beneficial for the developing winter wheat crop. Two systems will move through the northern plains through the weekend. Two to three storm systems will bring shower activity to the central and southern plains over the next 10 days. An hour into Wednesday's session in Kansas City wheat, December up four and a half at five seventy-five and a half. Chicago wheat December up two at six thirty-four and a quarter. Minneapolis spring wheat December up seven and a quarter at five eighty-five and a quarter. December corn up four at four twelve and three quarters of a cent. March up three and a half at four sixteen and three quarters. November soybeans up eight and a quarter, ten seventy-two and a quarter. January up eight and a quarter at 10.72 even. Live cattle futures, December down 40 cents at 105.05. Feeder cattle, November up 70 cents at 131.50. January down 42 at 126.27. Lean hog futures, December $1.32 higher at 70.57. The Dow up 118 points. NASDAQ up 76, the S&P up 17. December crude oil down 64 cents a barrel. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package 
for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Always interesting to look at developing consumer trends when it comes to food. And we talk with Charlie Arnott, CEO for the Center for Food Integrity, for the latest on that. Charlie, thanks for being with us. This is an interesting trend developing among consumers and, and how they look at animal protein and, and their, what they're wanting and what their habits may be moving forward. It is indeed, Mike. I mean, as we think about the future of animal protein, uh, there's so much that's changed over the last several years, and of course, much of it's been exacerbated this year with the impact of COVID-19. But it's beginning to change the way people are looking at the food system in some fundamental ways. For the last 40-plus years, American agriculture truly has been the wonder of the world, focusing primarily on increasing productivity, efficiency, and throughput. Today, consumers, engaged consumers, uh, retailers and capital markets are beginning to ask whether or not other issues like sustainability, like food safety, like health and nutrition should also receive greater focus. And so there's, there's an important shift taking place where people are saying we want continue to continue to enjoy safe, very affordable food, but we also now are looking at other attributes as being equally important. And that's going to be really important for those of us in agriculture to understand because the expectations are going to continue to evolve as consumers have greater interest in health and nutrition, uh, extending their meals, fresh, high-quality food. All of those things are continuing to play a greater role in the decision process for engaged consumers, for retailers, and for those who provide financing to agriculture. Well, these are often looked upon as challenges to those in the livestock industry. You always point to the opportunities. What do you see as opportunities in these changing trends for those in animal protein? I think there are some great opportunities, Mike, and I think a lot of it goes back to the fact that people want the nutritionally dense um, benefits of animal protein. They enjoy meat, milk, and eggs. They like having their burgers. They like having steaks. They like having chicken. Of course, going into the holidays, turkey and ham cold glass of milk with some cookies when you're done, breakfast with bacon and eggs, it's all wonderful. Consumers just want assurance that it's being produced in a way that is consistent with their other expectations, but they don't want to give up that affordability as well. So here's the opportunity. The opportunity is going to be for those organizations, those companies, who can embrace the fact that we can't sacrifice efficiency and we also need to do a better job of improving our performance on uh, environmental impact, environmental attributes, the care of animals, treatment of workers, etc. Those things don't have to be viewed as mutually exclusive. And I think if you go into that conversation saying, how can we make this a both-and solution as opposed to an either-or solution, you begin to think about things differently. Oftentimes, Mike, we know that increasing productivity and efficiency has pretty significant environmental benefits. We know that today's systems provide better care for animals than systems previously. So it's about positioning it in a way that allows us to have that conversation and then also being willing to listen about what might be required going forward and thinking about those changes before they become mandated. Because once they become mandated, either from customers or from regulators, we don't have much flexibility. So the opportunity is to be engaged in that conversation early so if people are making additional demands, we have the opportunity to impact those. I think the other thing that people will find interesting about this is the conversation about plant-based alternatives is really in flux right now. 
Um, you know, it, it, there was a lot of initial trial, but there hasn't been the subsequent um, repeat purchasing, perhaps, that some had anticipated. That you just don't find the same texture and taste with the plant-based alternatives that you find with, with meat and, and uh, meat, uh, whether it's beef or pork or chicken. And consumers are also now looking for, again, what's the impact on health? And as they look at the more complex list of ingredients on plant-based alternatives, it is raising questions. So, again, this is an opportunity for us to say, okay, let's stop focusing on plant-based alternatives, but what was the driver for that? People were looking for options that they felt were better for me and better for the planet. So let's help them understand how meat, single ingredient, beef, pork, chicken, can be better for you and better for the planet. So that's the opportunity for us is to not look at these as threats, but to begin to understand what are the underlying causes and how can we address those in a way that helps build support for those who are producing animal protein. We're talking with Charlie Arnott, CEO for the Center for Food Integrity. All right, Charlie, um, you pointed out that uh, the livestock industry has a good story to tell about the improvements that have been made, things that are being done to take care of animals. you know, ethical treatment of animals and how they're taken care of. So that's an important story to tell. But you have groups out there that seemingly will never be satisfied with anything the livestock industry does and will always be trying to convince consumers that any uh, production practice when it comes to to animal protein is not going to be humane and it's not going to be good and it's going to somehow harm the planet, harm the environment, so you should go to other uh alternatives. How do those in the livestock industry overcome that kind of uh, push that's out there in the animal rights movement? Yeah, great question, Mike. And there are always going to be, as you said, those who are just fundamentally opposed to any kind of animal production or animal consumption. And the way to address that is to not focus on the lunatic fringe or the radical extreme, but to focus on those who are closer to the middle of the bell curve those who are concerned about meat production and consumption, the flexitarians, those who are consuming meat today, but really wonder whether or not it's right for them and right for the planet. So rather than attacking the the activists, really provide the reassurance to the flexitarians and give them that permission to feel good about enjoying that pot roast or the chicken dinner or the steaks on the grill or the burger that they still want to enjoy. Give them that permission that they can be a a consumer of meat protein and feel good about it. Help them understand the improvements that have been made. Because simply attacking the activists does nothing to reassure that consumer. And so if you really want to be engaged in an effective conversation, you really have to target those consumers today who are enjoying meat, milk, and eggs, but are having increased concerns and engage with them in a way that provides the reassurance they're looking for to continue to enjoy the nutritional dense healthy protein that comes from today's uh, ranchers and farmers. I think it's also interesting. We've talked about this before, what's, what we're seeing developing as far as trends from during COVID and probably will carry over post-COVID. Not only what people are eating, but how they are eating it, how they are accessing it. Uh, that is changing, isn't it? We're seeing more move to online shopping and that type of thing. And as we wait for restaurants to open up and wonder if some of them ever will, uh, we're probably going to see changes like maybe those uh, salad bars may not be available to us. Uh, The smorgasbords, people like me, like all-you-can-eat type things, some of those things are going to be a little different in our dining experiences. Oh, absolutely. We've seen a fundamental change in, in the way food, per, uh, the way people purchase food today. Uh, so much more cooking at home. 
Uh, kitchen gadgets sales are up as people are looking for ways to become more creative and more efficient at home. But they're also looking for new opportunities, new recipes, and ways to think about how they use products at home. So again, it's a great time to engage because people are hungry for information. Uh, they're hungry for new ideas and, and ways that they can continue to purchase uh, the protein that they like and find ways to prepare it at home that are going to be enjoyable and continue to provide some variety. Kitchen fatigue is real. Uh, people are becoming a bit tired and a little bit weary from trying to figure out, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do next week to provide dinner for the family? So providing other opportunities for them to think about what could be new and other ways that they can provide and prepare uh, animal protein, I think, is going to be another great opportunity for us. But in talking to retailers, they said, you know, in five months, they saw the transition to uh, online shopping that they'd anticipated would happen over five years. So all of that's been accelerated, and it's going to stick with us. One interesting uh, item I've 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 seen, I've heard, I've read about, and I've heard people tell me directly, they have discovered ground pork. A lot of consumers evidently didn't realize there there was ground pork out there, and all of a sudden it's become a big hit with a lot of people. Yeah, it's amazing. Isn't it? I've used ground pork in my chili for years. I think it's a great flavor carrier. Uh, and then oftentimes it can be leaner than, than, than ground beef. But yeah, I mean, they're looking for all kinds of new ways to, to use products that they haven't thought about before. And again, whether they do the online shopping and then pick it up at the store or have it delivered or simply uh, ship to them directly from a retailer or from a specialty market, uh, people are looking for those unique opportunities to find new products. And, and, you know, Mike, some of that was out of necessity when, when products were short and there were more out of stocks in, in the meat case and they found new products. And some of it is, is just as, as boredom and fatigue sets in and they're looking for something new and different. And so it's a great opportunity to provide people ideas on what else they might be able to try and how it can be prepared. Uh, I think that's a great opportunity for us. And, again, going back to some of the other research that we've seen and people with whom we work, air fryers and Instapots and other kinds of gadgets that people are using at home to provide meals and to make them more available uh, are just flying off the shelf. So it's a great time to be in the food business if you can help people learn how to be more effective and efficient and engaging in preparing food at home. Yeah, and as you've reminded us, and I think it's a great point, uh, there are more and more food options out there, food choices. And while some would say, wow, that's a big challenge, it's going to make it more difficult, you've pointed out that it also creates more opportunities for those that position themselves to take advantage of those opportunities. And, and that uh, that's what those in the uh, the animal protein business uh, are going to need to do. Charlie, always always enjoy talking with you. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Mike, thank you. Have a great one. Take care. Bye-bye. YouTube. Charlie Arnott, CEO for the Center for Food Integrity. Yeah, some interesting consumer trends really developing here during COVID-19, and we'll see how they carry on uh, past COVID, but it looks like uh, uh, some of them will, and it does create uh, opportunities for those in the uh, animal protein business. Well, there have been a lot of opportunities to get a lot of harvesting done but uh, there's been some precipitation move in to kind of slow things down a bit. We're going to get an update from Illinois, David Erickson, farms near the Quad Cities. We're going to check back in with him, see how his harvest is going. That's next here on AOA. Stay with us. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. 
Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to really cook. First, you can't tell it's done by how it looks. Use a food thermometer. Then, always stir, rotate the dish, and cover food when microwaving to prevent cold spots where bacteria can survive. Fast cooking should still be safe cooking. And bring sauces, soups, and gravies to a rolling boil when reheating. Even for the most experienced cooks, the improper heating and preparation of food means bacteria can survive. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. These are the sounds of a dinner. A dinner that almost didn't happen. A dinner now served, thanks to people like you. Due to COVID-19, 17 million more Americans may face hunger. Feeding America is helping our neighbors in need. And if you're able, you can too. Donations are being accepted at feedingamerica.org slash coronavirus. Brought to you by the Ad Council and Feeding America. 200 food banks strong. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. 
recently on Adams on Agriculture. Joining us now is the CEO of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture, Dr. Barb Glenn. What are some of the priorities that you've laid out to whoever wins the election that need to be addressed in rural America? We start with expanding market access for food and agricultural products globally. And I think that's a top priority for NASA, but we also heard heard from both campaigns for them as well. As we know, um, with the current administration, there's there's a, a large a number of trade agreements being worked on in, at this time. So another issue was worker protection and increasing the availability of labor. We, we need to prioritize keeping our food safe, particularly now in the wake of the COVID response and recovery. And then we support expanding rural broadband access, not only for rural businesses and communities, but the, the uh, health and education components of that are critical, as well as precision agriculture. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. When you think of home, you think of warmth, comfort, and peace of mind. And that's exactly what you get when you choose Propane from FS. With Propane from FS, you get our well-trained professional staff, along with an array of products and services designed to ensure that your propane system is functioning properly and efficiently. Add to this a variety of convenient terms and ways to save money, and you've got the right solution to all your home energy needs. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane. Feels like home. Visit fspropane.com. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Let's check in on the harvest in Illinois near the Quad Cities. David Erickson joins us. David, are you uh, rained out or are you still going? No, uh, we're still going, Mike. We uh, we did get a little shower, but uh, oh, I'm talking about man, less than a tenth uh, in the total accumulation yesterday. Another chance for some rain maybe tonight, tomorrow, who knows. You just wait for the forecast and... Uh, uh, the best one actually is the forecast that's happening. Actually, uh, is your harvesting? So yeah, and yeah. really, you you needed some precipitation, didn't you? It was dry. It, it gotten pretty dry, Mike. You know, I think the last time we talked, we were talking about how um, you know we uh, we were harvesting soybeans and we're hoping the uh, corn crop had dried down a little bit, and it certainly had done that uh, in the time that we were away from corn there. So. Uh, we finished up soybeans last um, Thursday, I guess it was, and then uh, started back in on corn again Friday, and uh, corn had dropped about, oh, 8 to 9% uh, in moisture. So it's all, some of it, number number two corn coming out of the field, which is kind of unusual for us in our area. So you're done with beans. Uh, were you happy uh, with your bean yields or not? Yeah, kind of an average bean crop in our area. You know, probably a little, as I mentioned before, a little cool and wet there in May that maybe it hurt some stands. And then uh, um, not maybe moisture quite as soon as what we could have used it there in August. Um, so, you know, just kind of average. Not not super exciting, but not, dis- not uh, necessarily disappointing. Um, corn, you know, our corn in this, where we're at, you know, it is, probably um probably 10 percent off um our average uh, and just kind of again 
some of those weather conditions that we had this summer um, affected that more, I think, than what we thought. How much have you got done on the corn so far? Uh, we're about 60% done on corn, and, and, you know, in our area in general, it looks to me like the soybean crop is basically all harvested, um, and the corn crop's being put away at a pretty quick pace as, uh, you know, conditions were dry here. Um, obviously, there's people uh, finished or real close to wrapping up, and there's, uh, you know, still several people like us that are still going, you know, half or so of their corn crop yet to go. However, have uh, has moving the grain gone pretty well this harvest? Have you had long lines or any problems finding a place to go with it? No, it's uh, been pretty smooth. Uh, we store all of our crop if we can in uh, on farm dry corn and, and store on farm and soybeans as well. But I do know that uh, uh, hours have been long enough for people at the local elevators and the local ethanol plant and uh, looks like um, you know moving the crop to storage whether it be at the commercial level or at the elevator level has been okay and no no problems that I'm aware of. How's the test weight been? You know um, pretty decent um, not uh, I would say a good average it's um, Probably that has helped our yield maybe a little bit more than we what we thought. I think the corn that uh, um, that maybe was a little bit more, um, it's going to say drought stricken. I wouldn't say it was drought. <laughs> it, it took more of that uh, shot from the dry slot. Uh, probably its test weight's a little bit lighter, but uh, not any of the concerns that we had last fall, Mike, with uh, a real range of test weights and, and certainly a lot of them uh, below average so not nothing uh, you know we're, we're at average or, or good test weights this year every year uh you, you there are some surprises once you get in that combine and you uh you're going through the field and you're watching that yield monitor what what stood out to you this year maybe that you weren't expecting um you know i think that we had more um effects from from July winds and what I gave it credit for. And I know uh, other, and talking to neighbors as well, um, um, you know, we had a couple of July wind events that came through here while the corn was in that super growth stage, as I call it, and right at or near tasseling. And I, it did hurt some plants. I, I've, I've known some who've had adjusters in that, uh, you know, talking maybe 15, 20, up to 25% even on some uh, varieties of corn, depending on um, the location. So I think a little bit more wind damage uh, here than what people had expected. And that certainly, uh, you know, you combine that with drier weather there for kernel fill. And, and that's uh, certainly part of the formula as to why yields lower. There have been a number of field fires in Illinois this year. Any in your area? Yeah, we've seen some. Uh, unfortunately, we had a neighbor who uh, lost a combine in, uh, you know, a com- had a combine fire and lost it. We had a, a small uh, fire inside of uh, our one of our, our secondary bean combine and uh, just related to dust buildup in the feed accelerator and, and dry conditions and friction that, that caused it to kind of smoldered and then when we opened it up the combine to find where it was that's when it kind of burst into flames but 
no damage done and, and uh, highly thankful for our local fire department to help kind of hose things down. So it, you didn't necessarily have to have something that malfunctioned in order to have problems as hot and dry and windy as it was. And again, I want to, uh, you know, say, reiterate the point that uh, we're all so thankful in these rural areas for those who volunteer to serve on volunteer fire departments and, and uh, first responders. I mean, they, they uh, take care of us very well. And uh, we're, we're, we're going to be thankful for that many times over. But when we have those events, that's when we're really reminded of it. For sure. They, uh, they do a great job and uh, they, uh, they need to be told uh, that you, that you appreciate it. People need to thank them because uh, they, they provide an invaluable service and uh, they've been called upon quite often this, this fall. That's for sure. David, thanks a lot. Good to talk with you and uh, have a good rest of the harvest. All right. Thanks, Mike. Be well. Take care. David Erickson farms near uh, the Quad Cities in Illinois with his harvest report. That wraps it up for today. Thanks for joining us. Be safe. Join us tomorrow on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.